Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 960, air date June 1st, 2021. All right. After Shiva's intro, we'll start back up. Okay, one second. People are coming in. All right. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. We're going to be doing a interview with uh, my good friend, Dan. Apple, and we're going to be discussing uh, the lawsuit, but I'm going to be focusing on why American fascism is in many ways much more sophisticated than anyone uh, ever thought of in any, anything in the world, far more than Chinese fascism or Russian fascism. And what we're going to talk about is the, uh, the lawsuit that we have in federal court, which has survived multiple motions to dismiss, has gotten many victories. And the fact that a tree is falling in the forest and no one's covering it pretty much says the historical nature of this lawsuit. That's what we're going to be discussing with Dan uh, today. So I hope everyone joins. I'm going to have people coming in on Instagram. We also have people joining. So we'll wait for people to come on in. So I'm ready, Dan, whenever you are. So uh, uh, we'll begin um, by reviewing the, uh, the circumstances that led to this lawsuit. And then we're gonna talk about up to date on what's going on and how all of you can be part of this movement for truth, freedom and health and, and be supporting this lawsuit. And if you wanna know more, you can go to winbackfreedom.com, winbackfreedom.com and winbackfreedom.com has all the details um, about this lawsuit. Let me just put it up here, yeah. So that's what we're gonna talk about, uh, but we're also gonna emphasize the fact that in America right now, you know, people talk about communism, socialism, Marxism, but it's way beyond that. It's actually the government, the government of the United States uh, launders censorship through big tech. So there's been so much distracting emphasis as though big tech acts on its own, but it's not true. In fact, the recent uh, in interesting editorial that came out in the Wall Street Journal speaks to the highlights of our lawsuit. So I wanna really focus on that. And the goal today is to arm all of you with something very important, that our focus, if we want to win this, needs to go at the real enemy of people, which is the government. So I'm going to be uh, having this discussion with Dan. Dan, are you ready? I am ready. Uh, Dr. Shiva Ayadure is a four-degree uh, four uh, MIT graduate. He has uh, got a, a doctorate among other degrees. He is a systems analyst, and he ran for U.S. Senate seat in uh, the state of Massachusetts. He ran against Elizabeth Warren a few years ago, and then he ran in the primary election uh, this last year. And I tell you what, his, his uh, situation is a story that everyone needs to hear. This gentleman has seen it all. Uh, he's gonna be talking about how government uses big tech to create a, a uh, police state scenario of fascism, as you, as you will, uh, in a state where we're supposed to be living in a state of freedom and truth and honor. Uh, Dr. Shiva, welcome to the program. I know our listeners are gonna be really interested to hear your story. Yeah, thanks, Dan, thanks for having me on. Um, look, I think what I wanna do is, you know, you know Dan, I, I really like, educating people from a systems approach. And what's happened in this country is um, we don't educate people from a systems approach. We cherry pick pieces of knowledge so people never have an opportunity to really see how the dots connect. And systems thinking helps people connect the dots. So let me, first of all, the thesis that I wanna get across to everyone is for the last you know three, four years, everything's been on big tech, big tech, big tech as though Mark Zuckerberg acts on its own, as though Jeff, Jack Dorsey acts on its own, as though Google acts on their own. But what we have discovered in our lawsuit, which is probably the most important lawsuit without hyperbole of the century, is that where government ends and where Twitter begins or where Facebook begins or YouTube begins has become completely blurred. These big tech organizations are actually state actors. They are used by government to launder censorship. You see, one of the interesting things, when I grew up in India, Dan, um, I realized that in India, the corruption is out in the open, probably in China and other places like, like uh, Russia. But 
it's sort of people know your politicians are corrupt. People know there's corruption. People know the government is fascist. But in America, we've been given this illusion that we have freedom. And, the rea and that's why it makes American fascism so much more sophisticated because the well-meaning working people in this country believe that their government actually stands by the First Amendment. In fact, what our lawsuit shows is that the government launders censorship using big tech and is the biggest violator of the First Amendment. So that's a core thesis. So how do we arrive at this? Well, many of you know that I ran for US Senate against Elizabeth Warren. We built up an amazing campaign without any support from the Republican establishment. And then that was in 2018 and 2020, I ran again. And by 2020, because of the respect that we garnered on the ground in Massachusetts, we had close to 3000 volunteers. We had 10,000 lawn signs, 20,000 bumper stickers. We raised close to $2 million. And what was important to understand there, that was that we had working people, not like, you know, college students that support Bernie, but actual working people would take time off their day. And we must have done close to 500 to 1,000 standouts all across Massachusetts, a true movement. And the slogan of our movement was truth, freedom, and health. Now, the establishment, the Republican establishment was really our enemy because they work with the Democrat establishment. So anyone who's still in the kindergarten political consciousness as though Republicans and Democrats are different needs to raise their consciousness otherwise you're just into the WWE wrestling federation model. But what you really realize is when someone like myself comes bottoms up, actually builds a movement, this sends more fear into the heart of the establishment. So what did they do? We ran in the primary, which was on September 1st, 2020, the Republican primary. The, the, the word on the street, Dan, in every town in Massachusetts was that I'd won by a landslide. No one even knew this other guy who the Republican establishment had found to run. He had no lawn signs, no bumper stickers, no, no organization. So on September 1, when the results came in on the evening of September 1, we saw that we win in one of the counties, which is 80 to 90% hand counted paper ballots. So we win by 10 points there. And in every other county, eeringly, the percentages were 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40. I mean, this guy's from Greenwich, Connecticut. No one even knows about this guy. He wins in Hispanic neighborhoods and black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods when he didn't even run a campaign. So that's when I had to, you know, up until that point, we had a number of people on our campaign who were saying, you know, Dr. Shiva, the only way you're gonna lose is election fraud. And I, I just thought they were just talking like, you know, conspiracy theory. But when I saw this occur in front of me, Dan, that's when I realized that I had to learn how these voting machines work, how all of these processes work. Why? Because in all those other counties where I quote unquote lost by 60, 40, 80 to 90%, of the counting was done using electronic voting machines. So what hap what is what is fundamentally different Dan is when you get a when you vote with a paper ballot, right? The paper ballot you fill in and it's actually uh, the paper ballot is uh, reviewed by a human being. Two human beings review the paper ballot and they tabulate your votes. However, when a ballot is done by a voting machine, the ballot is converted to a digital image. So the image almost is like a Xerox copying machine. I mean, the voting machine. First of all, it makes an image in the computer. And then the AI software in the computer looks for the dots. Oh, one dot for Shiva, one dot for Dan, okay? So there's no humans involved. It's done by the machine. Now, according to a federal law that was passed in 1974, any record generated in connection with a federal election must be preserved for 22 months, any record. So, well, when you put a paper ballot through that electronic voting machine, it creates a record, which is a digital image. And that concept has been confirmed in multiple states, including Florida and Arizona. In court, they've confirmed, yes, you must preserve the ballot images. All state election directors know about this. So what I found out on, so September 1st is when they stole the election from us. So I started using all my MIT knowledge, my knowledge as an inventor, guy invented email and many other electronic systems to understand how does this all this work? And it's pretty complicated. It's hidden for most Americans. And you find out that the paper ballots, first of all, are supposed to be converted to an image and supposed to be preserved. I also discovered that on all of these voting machines, all manufacturers, 
they have a feature called the weighted race feature. The ability to multiply a single vote by a factor. It could be greater than one or less than one. So if you got a thousand votes, Dan, and I got a thousand votes, your votes can be multiplied by 2.2. So you get 2,200 votes. My votes could be multiplied by 0.5. So I get 500 votes. So, and it's qu quite extraordinary, this feature exists. And all the state election directors know about this feature because they're the ones who certify these voting machines. So when I found out this, it took me a while to figure out how my votes were manipulated. But the first thing I found out on September 9th was I went into the Secretary of State and I said, I want those ballot images. I issued a public records request. And in 10 days, they're supposed to respond back to me. Well, on September 24th, they were a couple of days late. They wrote back to me in an email, the state election director, and her name is Michelle Tassinari, public official. She's also the chief legal counsel for the Secretary of State of Massachusetts. In an email, she said, we don't save ballot images. We don't have to by Massachusetts law. First email from her to me, I responded back and I said, and I said, please show me the statute. What is the law? Next email from her doesn't answer the question. She simply writes back, we save the paper ballots, but we don't store the ballot images. I write back and I say, you violated federal law. This election is null and void because there's no chain of custody. Those four emails, two from me, two from her, I take screenshots of them and I put up on my Twitter account. Now you have to understand, you know, I had close to 350,000 followers painstakingly. I built those. Every one of my followers are real followers, right? No fake followers, no bots. And when I put up those four screenshots, Dan, I was suspended off Twitter. So what was I doing? So let's understand the conditions. First of all, I'm a U.S. Senate candidate, a federal candidate with a massive following, right? I was critiquing the government, number two. So I'm a federal U.S. Senate candidate and, a, and also a citizen, and I'm exposing government malfeasance. You could agree whether it's wrong or right, whether it's inaccurate, but I'm doing something in, in the interest of the public. The First Amendment, the highest protection it has is for political speech. So when I put those tweets up, I was thrown off Twitter. Interestingly enough, a bogus quote unquote fact checking organization did me something very valuable. First of all, they attacked me saying, oh, no ballots were deleted. I never said ballots. I said ballot images, which are the ballots in the electronic voting machines. That's the first thing. The second thing is in that article, they said that we contacted the Secretary of State of Massachusetts and they told us they contacted Twitter. Let me repeat that again. This fact-checking organization, which is doing a hit job on me, confirmed that the government contacted Twitter to throw off a U.S. Senate candidate because I was spreading, quote-unquote, misinformation. So that's when I, I didn't know enough about the machines yet, Dan. This was like, this was um, in, er, in uh, early, late September. But I knew I had a substantive First Amendment case because political speech is something that's protected and the government cannot be calling private actors. And if they are, that private actor also becomes a state actor. No swamp creature lawyer in Massachusetts wanted to take this on. I had to do it myself. Meaning I had to learn the law. I had to file a case in federal court. This is not in some local traffic court. It's not in state court, it's in federal court. And so I filed a $1.2 billion lawsuit and I also filed a preliminary injunction which is layered on top of that lawsuit, demanding, because our campaign, because we had such ground support, we moved into the general election as a write-in candidate, Dan. We said, screw the Democratic Party, screw the Republican Party, we're still gonna run. And we had, and, and on September 1st, our campaign slogan was stop election fraud. So that is the campaign plank, stop election fraud. Starting on September 1, so this is now, so on September 24th, I, I'm getting thrown off by the state election director for trying to stop election fraud and calling them out on it. All right, quite amazing. When they are, the, they, so, so on October 30th, we get a hearing in federal court, quite extraordinary. Judges typically don't like to have these kinds of hearings. They typically wanna dismiss stuff very quickly. So we go into what was supposed to be about a 25, 40 minute hearing 
and it ends up going for 4.5 hours. Me against three lawyers on the government side. And in that hearing, history takes place, meaning a fact-finding history. We discover for the first time in the world that the government has established a partnership with Twitter. I'll repeat that again. The government, in this case, Massachusetts, and every state, we find out, has a trusted partnership with Twitter. A trusted partnership, which means you and I are distrusted strangers to Twitter. The government is, is a trusted partner. So let you, everyone should just let that sink in. So the government, and as a part of that, they have a special portal where they are onboarded. And when the government calls Twitter, Twitter jumps. All right. Never before talked about, uh, never before disclosed. Our lawsuit discovered that. And by the way, if everyone wants to know the history of the lawsuit, they can go to winbackfreedom.com. And I just want to put that out there. If you want to go check out, we've put up every brief that I filed. All those were done by me. No lawyers helping us, but by me. So we so October 30th, what we established is the government has a trusted Twitter partnership. The judge gives us an extraordinary victory there. He tells, he orders the government of Massachusetts to stop contacting Twitter. Number one victory. We also find out in that testimony that the government of Massachusetts also is part of a behemoth organization called the National Association of State Election Directors, NASED, based out in DC. They are a government, quote unquote, nonprofit, which has involves every state election director, in the country. They also have a Twitter partnership, Dan. So what happened in testimony, we find out not only did the government of Massachusetts contact a Twitter to shut me down because I was exposing their malfeasance. In fact, Michelle Tassinari, who could get a custodial sentence in prison. She, in testimony, we find out, her communication director, you know, spills all the beans, tells us that Tassinari also contacted a woman called Amy Cohen who's the executive director of NASID, to have them contact Twitter to also bump me off. So they hit me with two ways, one directly, but also indirectly using another state actor, NASID. So that's why I was thrown off. Now, so I get thrown off and I was thrown off for nearly three weeks because every time I brought up those screenshots, Dan, or referred to those screenshots, I get thrown off. So they had set in the keywords in place. I was tagged as an enemy of the government of Massachusetts. So on November 4th, after the election's over, I get put back on Twitter, interesting enough, right? So I lost three weeks of campaigning. Twitter is my platform. By the way, there's a fundamental difference between Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. YouTube's typically for gamers, right? Facebook is for friends and families, but Twitter, you have to understand, is the premier platform for political speech. It's where politicians are. It's where discourse on politics takes place. So I was removed off of my platform, my main platform during the most important period. So starting on November 1st, I start tweeting again, Dan, and I tweet, 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 tweet. On February 1st, I again do a one hour long lecture, which started, I believe at 8.12, and it went to, I believe, 9.31 p.m. EST. And in that lecture, I share the history of what was going on with our lawsuit. And I share again those four screenshots, Dan. And bam, within 17 minutes, I'm thrown off Twitter again. All right. So the next, you know, Monday, which is February 3rd or 4th, I file my loss. I file another preliminary injunction. I said, Your Honor, they violated your order. They acted as though they were following it. But in fact, when they contacted Twitter, they had set the algorithms in place, the processes. So I would never be able to talk about that kind of speech. And, and again, constraining speech on a topic is even a worse form of violation of political speech, which means you can talk about everything else, but you can't talk about this. I think it's called prior restraint, okay? You can't talk about this particular speech, but we'll let you talk about everything else. So I went back into court. This time the judge, remember, we never went after Twitter. We went after the government, right? If we went after Twitter, they would have just balked at us and our, our, our lawsuit would have been dismissed. This time the judge suggested 
He goes, before I can give you complete relief, quote unquote, I suggest you bring in Twitter into my courtroom. So that was, I had to file what's called a motion for joinder. Motion for joinder. Again, if people go to winbackfreedom.com, you can see that motion. Again, I had to do all the work, you know, all this paperwork, Dan, all these briefs, okay, written meticulously. Um, so those were filed. And the judge, after reading those, he called a hearing on May 20th. Supposed to be a two-hour hearing. Well, the hearing went on for two days and 20 hours, Dan. And this time, it was me against seven lawyers. Twitter brought in all their big guns. Felicia Ellsworth, who's the vice chair at Wilmer, Hale & Dorr, one of the, probably the number one law firm in the world. Three lawyers from there, three lawyers from the Secretary of State, and one lawyer from NASID, because now they had all become our defendants. And we were also filing, part of it was RICO, and we were showing that the Twitter was at the end of this process, right? They're doing the government's job. Anyway, the hearing goes on. And the night before the hearing, you know, I read all these briefs, thousands and thousands of pages, because they, this was a motion. This was a hearing where they're arguing my lawsuit should be dismissed. There's nothing here. Move along, right? Move along. There's nothing here. You know, this darkie has nothing to say. Okay. The usual. Yeah. Yeah. The usual. yeah. Yeah. You know, who's this guy? And the good thing was they'd actually, you know, read the racist Wikipedia in some ways. A good thing. The racist defamatory Wikipedia. So they had assumed I was some crackpot. Right. This guy didn't invent email. In fact, the secretary of state's lawyers had called my stuff antics. Well, those antics weren't antics when I actually had courtroom proof evidence the government had violated federal law. So in court the night before May 19th, I'm reading, I'm preparing for the lawsuit. I'm trying to figure out what is this Twitter partnership? I can't find anything about it. I search and I search and I search. And lo and behold, I find a set of four manuals, playbooks. That's what they're called. Developed, architected by the defendants. Twitter Legal is an author of this playbook. Michelle Tassinari is an author of this playbook and Amy Cohen. And this was architected at the Harvard Belfer School for defending digital democracy, okay? Very Orwellian. And this set of documents lays out step by step by step how you target surveillance, blacklist, what they call an influence operator. The, the, the book is Elections Influence Operations Playbook for Government Officials, part one, part two, and part three. Part one and part two, I found part three, apparently you have to send an email to get. So I want everyone to listen to this. The government has a playbook. And it's and if anyone is in has done engineering work, it's called a standard operating procedure guide, an SOP. It's an SOP for censorship. Part 1 of the playbook defines the ideological framework of what they call influence operations, an influence operator. And it lays out what is an influence operator. An influence operator is someone who's quote unquote disseminating misinformation as a government deems. And they bullet how you can, they give examples of how you identify an influence operator. Guess what one of the bullets is? I think the fourth or fifth bullet is anyone who critiques an election official and says that they are corrupt. Let me repeat again. In the playbook is a is a actual bullet which says if someone says stuff against an election official and says they're corrupt, tag them. They are an influence operator. That's exactly what I was doing, right? I was saying this woman violated federal law. So that's part 1 defines the ideological framework. Part 2 of this playbook tells you what to do and they have a systems diagram. Step 1 Assess your enemy. And they have checkoff box how you assess them, including setting up keywords. In my case, probably ballot images, lawsuit, tassinari, right? Okay, we're, we're going to uh, yep. have to break here, uh, Dr. Shiva, but please keep that very subject in mind and we'll be back in a few minutes and we'll pick yeah. up the conversation. And I'll continue my broadcast over here, Dan. Tell me when you're back, okay? Thanks. Thank you. So, to those of you uh, uh, listening, 
uh, at home here. I'm doing an interview with Dan on his radio show. But the key thing, and I'll come back to Dan, and I'll repeat this again. Um, those of you listening need to understand that American fascism is extremely sophisticated. American fascism, you know, is orders of magnitude more powerful than Chinese fascism or Russian fascism. Because you know what? The people in China and Russia actually know their government's fascist. But in America, we don't know that. The broad mass of Americans don't know that. And what our lawsuit is about, at the heart of it, is exposing that the government violates the First Amendment. The government has essentially uses big tech to launder censorship. And it is way beyond any of these other lawsuits out there. Because all these other lawsuits, when they talk about election stuff, they're blaming China or they're blaming Russia or it's coming from one uh, side of the political wing or not. Right. You know, James O'Keefe, you know, he just talks about as though CNN is a violator or New York Times. No, both sides of the media violate people's First Amendment. Our, the reason Sucker Carlson will never cover this lawsuit, because that's what he is. He's part of the establishment. And, and I have so much anger towards that guy because he fools people on the right and conservatives. What Tucker Carlson is about is he's part of the establishment. He, he or no one else left or right will ever cover this lawsuit because it will ultimately expose a day. Big media is a tool of the government. Our lawsuit has discovered the playbook, the actual manual, the technical manual, the infrastructure that the government uses and they follow it step by step by step by step to tag someone like me who has influence, who operates in a very prolific way, putting out content and that people like me are seen as a high severity threat. And when Dan comes back, I'll walk through that playbook. But this is what we shared in federal court. And this is why the lawyer, the judge in our case declined to dismiss our case on May 21st. He says, I want to move this. Dan, are we starting up? Okay. Dan, are we starting up again? Yeah, we're on. Okay. So let me let me so let me let me go back to Dan. So so Dan, as I was telling the people here, is American fascism is what we need to talk about. Many of these lawsuits, right, done by one wing of the establishment. Just to frankly, they're 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 not going at the heart of the problem. So for example, I emphasize everyone out there, if you're serious about winning. You can't think left and right anymore, Republican and Democrat. If you're doing that, you're never going to win. Because on the election integrity issue, for example, all of Trump's lawsuits failed. They weren't going after the real issue. They used it to raise money. It's not mail-in ballots. When you apply a systems approach and you connect the dots, what do you find out? You find out that the real crime scene is the voting machines, which have a feature to flip votes and multiply votes by an algorithm. Okay. It's in every voting machine. It's not the it's not the manufacturers. It's the state election directors, Republicans and Democrats who certified those voting machines. So and then you have some other people blaming China and Russia. Again, misdirection, distraction. It is the elites in this country who do not like the American working people having the First Amendment. They do not like the American working people having the Second Amendment. They never wanted the blue bloods who were the Tories who fought against the colonists in this country, never wanted to give the First Amendment. And those Tories and those blue bloods didn't leave and head back to London. They're right here in Massachusetts. They're here at places like Harvard. When you walk on the Harvard Yard, you're walking back into the 15th or 16th century. This is why this doofus, I don't even want to give him his title, Harry of the quote unquote royalty, right? Two weeks ago, he was here saying the First Amendment is, quote unquote, bonkers. You see, the British never wanted to give us plebes and peasants the First Amendment. They still don't because they actually think they know they know it all, that they're going to determine what's right for us. And that's why this manual was developed at Harvard with all of these defendants. And so on the May 20th is when I presented it and the judge Initially, he didn't get it, but in the afternoon, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, I want you to submit that as evidence. So I stayed awake all night on the 20th, wrote my brief, and submitted it. 
on the 21st morning, when the judge showed up, he said, you know, I was awake at six in the morning reading Dr. Shiva's playbook. He got all of his law clerks to read it. So when he came in, he said, this case, our case, will more than likely be a law school exam in every constitutional law class. And he go, and this is a senior judge, federal judge. We had close to 300, 400 people on Zoom. And he said, this case has substantial constitutional significance. And then he turned to me and he said, you know, you've brought this case on all by yourself and you've done a pretty good job. I'm paraphrasing him by the way. And he said, I recommend that you get a constitutional lawyer to help you do the briefings so you can get all your arguments even honed even better because there's certain like points of rules, federal rules, et cetera. And he goes, would you take a lawyer? And he goes, I even have the rights to fund it. He goes, I've done it in criminal cases. It's unprecedented, but he has the rights to do that. It's been done. And I told him, your honor, look, the only reason that I haven't gotten a lawyer is because my platform was Twitter. That's where I used to raise money. I raised a million bucks on there for my campaign. I can't even do that. And every time I talk about my lawsuit, I get taken down, which is again, a very important violation of free political speech. So the, after that, I went through that manual, Dan, page by page by page. And I think the judge was blown away. I said, your honor, go to this page. First step is they use keywords to tag an influence operator. And these are the keywords they use. Step two, they have a methodology, a three-part methodology, how they tag you of your level of influence, high, medium, and low. And I was tagged as a high influence operator because I have lots of my tweets get retweeted. I have a following and I have credibility. And for high level influence operators, they have a very particular process. It's a 12 step process where not only do they throw you off, but they monitor you at forever for the rest of your life, Dan. It's a cyclical process. And that's why when they threw me off on the 24th, 25th. And again, they threw me off on February 1st. Those two events are not separated, they're connected. They're one event and it's still ongoing because I'm still thrown off. And then I showed the judge the page, I think page 47 of part two, where it describes the Twitter partnership support portal, PSP, which is a special access portal, VVIP portal the government gets and how they communicate. And it also has this two pronged approach. When you wanna take someone out, do it on your own, but also call others, which is what they did with NASA to amplify their voices. And I said, your honor, they followed this manual step by step by step. This was an architecture. This was an infrastructure that they have in place to launder censorship. So they can say, oh, Twitter did it. We have nothing to do with it, right? But the reality is where the government ends and where Twitter begins or where Twitter ends and government begins, no one knows anymore. They've all been blurred. It's one. And this goes at the heart of the First Amendment because this means Twitter and NASID, all these people are state actors. They don't get the refuge of the First Amendment anymore. So the judge basically said, you know what, uh, Dr. Shiva, I want you to go talk to this lawyer and the 300 people and the opposition was objecting. So we talked about the lawyer and he said, on May 27th, come back and tell me if you wanna bring in a lawyer and then tell me how you wanna proceed. So the hearing didn't adjourn, it's in a recess. And what we, and he's, and more, and he said, I'm declining all these motions to dismiss. And he said, I would like to do a fact finding mission because the merits of this case are so intertwined with the arguments they were making for motion to dismiss, we should have some level of limited depositions and discovery trial. So the judge wants to move this to trial, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. and he wants to do discovery and depositions. Again, not one media organization has covered this. Why? Because this is going to show that Fox News, CNN, they're all an extension of the government too. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I have to, you know, I, I call him Sucker Carlson because that's what he is. He sucks up to the establishment, but he acts as though he's fighting for, you know, people. And he isn't. He just, he's an actor. Entertainment. Same with Chris Cuomo. That's why everyone listening out there, you have to become citizens journalists. 
I am asking everyone to donate $1, Dan. I mean, the amount of opportunity costs I've lost in this is quite incredible. And by the way, the two people who threw me off, they're not even supposed to get. They're private citizens, right? Only Galvin, who's the Secretary of State, can get legal support. Michelle Tassinari is not even an elected official. Neither is this woman O'Malley. Yet they're getting state-sponsored legal support. You see? And we've argued against that. So the point is, everyone listening, this is an opportunity for everyone to be part of a real bottoms-up movement. This has to be a movement. So that's why I'm saying, if we could get 5 million people to donate $1, because we're going to have to do depositions, discovery. I brought it this far, Dan, but all this other stuff, we're going to need some serious support. And But I want to see it as a part of a movement, Dan. It's not me fighting this alone. This is about the heart of what this country was built on, which is the ability for you as a human being to say anything against your government. That's what, I'm, no other country has that. That's why my parents got up one day and they left India, heading into the unknown. My dad had $75 in his pocket, no job, no job setting here. That's why your parents and your parents' parents' parents got a suitcase and they got on a boat because they didn't know where they were going, but they knew that this country had the first amendment. And that's what this is about. But this is about the government, not big tech. It's going at the heart of the heart of the issue. We've peeled away all the layers of the onion and we're at the nucleus of the real, the quantum of the real issue here, which is the government of the United States is a fascist government. And we, and it's, it's not even a statement now. We have the manual. We have evidence in federal court. So, you know, people have written books about it, theorize that there's people who talk about it. Well, Everyone who's talked about it and theorized about it, you got to get behind this lawsuit and everyone needs to do citizen journalism and write your own little posts and share it everywhere because big media ain't going to cover this. Big media will not cover this because it's not in their interest because they are part of censorship. So that's had, uh, Dr. Shiva. We had JD Hall on with a, uh, uh, program we did about a week and a half ago on this very subject and JD who is a newspaper editor in Montana the Montana Daily Gazette the largest uh, subscription newspaper in the state of Montana uh, but he said I couldn't believe I fell so far down the rabbit hole after listening to this conversation because JD had been working with legislators in Montana to try to stop internet censorship because he's been censored as well. That's like and that's like the Fox no Fox idea that the federal government was so intimately involved in this. So that's why this is such a, an absolutely key uh, case to go before. I think it has to go to the Supreme Court, and I think it has to go in a way that they can't kill it. Well, that's why, Dan, I think the judge here, the judge here is a constitutionalist. He has, in my view, has a lot of courage. And that's why he recognizes I brought it this far. I need someone who has constitutional law experience. So I'm writing my briefs. So I don't, I cover all, you know, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's on this. But to everyone listening out there, you know, you know, there's a very interesting movie I saw over the weekend. Okay. Two movies me and Michelle saw. One is the story about James Brown. And the other story is about a, uh, it's an Eddie Murphy movie about Dolomite. Very interesting, uh, you know, who did uh, uh, black films, which, you know, the white media would never want to cover. But what's interesting for me, where I connected with that, Dan, is in my case, I always seem to go at the heart of the establishment issues. But I also have a, the issue that I'm a dark-skinned Indian guy. Okay? And this cannot be ignored. So there is race here and there is a fundamental issues in my case. And when you see those two movies, what you find out is, you know, James Brown, the way he made his major break was the record companies only wanted him to do top down. And he goes, screw that. He started going to all the small venues and he would do his, you know, he would continue that. Same with Dolomite. No one believed in this guy. He still went to the small venues, small venues, small venues, and built up his following bottoms up. And we have to recognize that we have to reestablish the integrity of the power within us as people. People think politicians are going to do something. Ron DeSantis, I mean, his bill is garbage. His bill is a distraction. When you really look at it, people should go read his bill. It's not going after the central issue. The bill is going to get 
thrown out in court because it is still not dealing with the issue that the, that they're a state actor. And that would be meaning he would have to put a mirror to himself. Okay. Conservatives use the, the, this architecture to attack, you know, liberals and liberals use this architecture to attack conservatives. Both their parties are using it when it goes against the government elite narrative. You see, it's not conservative or liberals. Same thing just happened in India. The existing Congress party who has their direct probably linked to Twitter was labeling using Twitter tweets that was being exposed by the health minister of India who's from the opposing party. And the opposing party of India came out of nowhere. So wherever you look, you'll find the, the entrenched political forces tell Twitter what to do. They tell Facebook what to do. You just saw this, the Wall Street Journal, just the editorial board just put out an article over the weekend because up until four days ago, if you said that the Chinese virus was manufactured in a lab, you get thrown off Facebook. But when Biden said it was okay to go explore that, now Facebook has relaxed its policies, meaning when Zuckerberg jumps when the government tells him to, Jack Dorsey jumps when the government tells him to. This is called fascism. This is sophisticated fascism, but it's not done in the Russian or the Chinese way where they shoot you if you don't do it. It's done more sophisticated. You hang out at the same clubs. You go to the same ski resorts, right? You party with them. You're one click. You hang out on the east side or the west side of New York together with them, okay? It's Pepsi versus Coke, but they all hang out together. That's why American fascism is extremely sophisticated. It's not as direct, right? The corruption in places like India and China and quote unquote, second or third world countries is very direct. You pay that guy and he does something for you. In America, it's more sophisticated. You give contributions to the Clinton Global Initiative, right? You become part of the club, right? You go to Harvard and you write up a beautiful manual and you put it under the thing called the Belfer Institute and you call it a playbook, right? For defending digital democracy. It's very sophisticated, right? So the American people are the kindest, most loving people I've met, you know, I've traveled all over the world, have been made naive by this kind of fascism. And our lawsuit is, is exposing that in the light of day, showing that government, the government of the United States, we don't have freedom anymore, Dan. So it's not about like get Trump in and he's going to help us. Trump was part of it. Trump was part of this. What we have is we have fascism and we have, that's why when we name that page, we call it winbackfreedom.com. So it's hope we have to win, but it's, we got to win back freedom. We don't have freedom anymore. It's lost. It got lost because we put our trust and our emphasis on one party or another party, or we got caught up in the WWE Wrestling Federation. And we have to let all that go. And we have to build a bottoms up movement. And Dan, you know, when I spoke on your show before, we've created the infrastructure for that movement. And that's right. if people go to truthfreedomhealth.com, they can, they can witness that and be part of that. A, you have to understand there is a nuclear physics to building a movement. So we teach you that we've created our own we have our own data center, our own infrastructure. So people are organizing there. People are interconnecting there. And then people are becoming part of this movement. And then they get to have their own social media. And then we give activism things. But winbackfreedom.com is a page everyone should go to just $1. $1. Because it shows that we want to build a mass movement now. And it's not only in the United States. Our lawsuit, anyone in the world should participate in it. Because our lawsuit goes at the heart of freedom. Every working person who wants freedom again should back and support this lawsuit and, and share it with everyone else, period. That's the formula for success right now. We have the lawsuit. We, we're in federal court. We haven't been dismissed. What more do you want? Well, when you've won every single uh, one of the hearings, you've, you've come out of every hearing on a positive note. And in fact, you've been against some pretty sophisticated legal teams who are trying to dismiss everything you're doing. Obviously, uh, there's something to the case or this judge wouldn't be handing you the keys to the kingdom. I mean, he pretty much told you, 
if we have to, we'll help you with a constitutional attorney just to make sure this goes through the system, just to make sure that we continue this case and see it through to the very end. Yeah, Dan, one of the interesting things that was also a turning point for this judge is the the one of the deputy general counsels, a Twitter woman called Stacia Cardile, okay, who also was the attorney for the Obama White House. She submitted an affidavit three days before the hearing. And in that affidavit, she completely lied, fabricated. Let me tell you what she put in the affidavit. She Remember, Twitter, this is like deadly for Twitter, this lawsuit. She, in her affidavit, she said, Your Honor, we had... We don't know that we don't listen to the government. We do. We make decisions on our own. And in her affidavit, she said, remember, I was deplatformed or taken or suspended on September 24th and then again on February 1st. So she was speaking to the February 1st deplatforming when I was thrown off for good. She said on February 1st, you know, he had, you know, we had a six strike policy. And in her affidavit, she doesn't even share the, the, the tweets. In fact, she shares a post from Facebook. Quite interesting. But she says on February 1st, he got three strikes. And those, when those uh, tweets were done, we had a individual review it by hand. And then it got escalated to a review team, like as though they did this huge deliberation, like they did it. And, and then she said on February 3rd, we deplatformed him. And I said, wait a minute. I said, this is complete horseshit. Excuse my language. <laughs> Because I have an email from Twitter coming on 9.48 p.m. on February 1st, which says you've been thrown off Twitter for good, which is 17 minutes after my uh, uh, video that I did, oh, literally. Yeah. Okay, so I looked, at, so I submitted a, a follow-up declaration to the court that evening and I said, your honor, this woman's completely lying. There was no deliberation. This was all automatic. It was done in the guillotine fell on me in 17 minutes. There was no escalation. There was no deliberation by Twitter. This was done because they tagged me on September 24th and they did it. And then I and I had saved all the tweets, Dan. And I said, look, your honor, here are those so-called six tweets. Every one of those tweets refers to the lawsuit. And the judge says, what's wrong with these tweets? He's talking about his federal lawsuit. So they lied in court and the judge basically said, you know, like, I can't take this credibly serious, your affidavit. So they are freaking out because Twitter is trying to show as though they do stuff on their own when they don't. They follow the government's orders. This is fascism, American fascism. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've made the, the statement, we've got to forget the right wing and the left wing. We've got to realize that this bird won't fly unless it has a right wing and a left wing and it's flying together. And uh, we've got a government that's out of control and we've got to quit thinking in terms of left and right. We've got to realize that the, the government is out of control because they work together. They're all part. of. Yeah. The and, and, and the most important thing, Dan, is those words that you said, look, others have talked about it. You know, people have written books on this, right? Theoretical, philosopher, political. We actually have the lawsuit, which shows it. This is bigger than anything, you know, Snowden's hiding away in Russia. I'm still here. This is bigger than that issue because this is about political speech. This is more than just citizens. This is about you critiquing your government. And we have the playbook, the manual. You see what I'm saying? It's easy. No, it, it, so that's why it's up to all of us now. Mainstream media is not going to cover this because it will lead to them. It'll lead to Fox News. It'll lead to CNN, how they control narratives because government tells them what to do so. So everyone listening, you got to go donate $1 at Win Back Freedom. It's not for the money. It's to show that you actually care, that your energy, that this lawsuit means something. It, it already means something. Look, when New York versus Sullivan took place or when, any of those great lawsuits, the people who knew what it meant were on board. And that's we're at this very historic point. This lawsuit will be, as this judge said, a law school exam in every constitutional law class. This is the lawsuit of the century. And no right. media will cover it because it's against their interests. 
It's the interest of everyone listening for you to cover this lawsuit. Everyone's got to get off their butts and you have to be citizens journalists. You have to listen to this video. You have to write your version of it and you should send it out and point back to this video. That's what needs to happen. We don't need spectators. We need active citizens right now because if this lawsuit, we have to win this lawsuit because if we don't win this lawsuit, it's game set match. It's over. We will, because this lawsuit goes at the heart of how they manipulate medical freedom issues, goes at the heart of how they uh, talk about digital rights issues or election integrity, because it says whenever, whenever the government says, this is what the narrative is, Twitter and Facebook jump. And our winning this lawsuit will regain the freedom we've lost. That's what this is about. This is the lawsuit of the century without any exaggeration. And we need everyone to get behind it. I agree. I agree. We need to get and everyone go to winbackfreedom.com. That's winbackfreedom.com and donate a dollar. I mean, if we have 5 million or 10 million people, a dollar's not going to cost you anything. It shows how many people are understanding and support this effort by Dr. Shiva. Uh, Dr. Shiva, I have to tell you, this is fantastic. You will be at the Red Pill Expo uh, coming up at the end of the week here on June 5th and 6th. As a matter of fact, you start the conference. You're the first speaker. And uh, I welcome everybody to come to redpillexpo.org. Get your tickets. See Dr. Shiva. You'll get a chance to meet him in person. Dr. Shiva, I am fascinated. I You carry the conversation because I don't have to say a thing. You're doing a terrific job. God bless you, my friend. We'll see you in four days at the uh, event center, the Monument Center at Rapid City for Red Pill Expo. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. Best Thank to you. you. Thank you. So everyone re listening there, that was Dan um, Happel. I'll be at the Red Pill Expo. But the bottom line is this. I think I have to do a video every day on this lawsuit because we have to build a war chest right now. And I want to build a war chest from $1 from everyone out there because it shows that we have a movement. This lawsuit is a tip of the tip of the spear of the movement for freedom, which we need to win back. So go to winbackfreedom.com, support this lawsuit and become citizens journalists. Share this with everyone you know, write your own take on it, but get the word out there. Do not look to mainstream media. Do not look to the left or the right. You have to do it. Thank you, everyone. Be well, be the light. Thank you.